Welcome to Indispensable. This week, we're featuring a Swapcast. A couple of months back, I was on the Sales Stacker podcast with Matthew Misalis, and we were talking about the importance of LinkedIn. What else, right? There were lots of interesting questions that Matthew asked that nobody else has asked me in quite the same way. So I encourage you to jump in and listen. And in a few weeks, we're actually going to have Matthew on our podcast, and I'm interviewing him. And I think it'll, you'll find it is a great podcast. He's a fascinating person and building a great business around sales enablement and automation. And yet he does it in a really thoughtful way. So join us in a few weeks for the podcast with Matthew. And in the meantime, listen to the episode where he and I talk about LinkedIn. Hello and welcome to the 19th episode of the Sales Stacker podcast brought to you by iSales Solutions LLC. I'm your host, Matthew Salas. Social media is in many ways the equalizer of brand building and business growth. Anyone has a chance to elevate their business and personal profile through a strategic approach to social media. While Instagram is still highly popular for both users and brand builders, LinkedIn is certainly riding a wave of success and popularity now heading into the final stretch of 2019. To help us break down this topic, I've got the insightful Colleen McKenna of Intero Advisory. Colleen, thanks so much for being here and welcome to the show. It's great to be here with you and I think we're going to have a great conversation today. Uh, Colleen, I, I'm certainly very excited for this conversation because I know LinkedIn is just such an important tool for both individual professionals and also brands and companies as well. So to begin with, can you tell us maybe a little bit about yourself and Intero Advisory? Absolutely. I come to my profession, which is quite a number of years now, I come to it as a salesperson. So I love sales. I love the pursuit of selling and building long-term good client relationships and marketing. I love it all, how it all has really merged together. And so I've been doing that for many years. And I started in Tarot Advisory in January of 2011. I went off on my own after leading sales teams and being in sales and was doing some sales coaching. And people started asking me if I could teach them how to use LinkedIn. And I thought, sure. I had been on it pretty early on. We got some really great initial success with our sales team on using LinkedIn and building their networks. And so it really blossomed from that sales coaching role. And over the last eight and a half years, we've really expanded. And we say that if it touches LinkedIn, we touch it. So we help people build their profiles and we write a lot of LinkedIn profiles for individuals. We coach, we train, we do ad campaigns. We have a recruiter on our team who helps our clients find good talent. We in some cases, do a lot of LinkedIn outreach for lead generation as well. So had the opportunity to work across the country, most of North America, and have certainly trained in webinar formats throughout the world. It's certainly great that you've been with LinkedIn for so long. I mean, I think a lot of people have jumped onto the platform in the last year or two, but you being there from the beginning has really helped you, I guess, get a, a good understanding of where the platform was, how it's evolved, and how people can take advantage of it in this stage of evolution. Before I ask you any more about the clients that you work with, what's the meaning behind Intero Advisory? What, what does Intero mean there? Well, the hardest thing when you start a business these days is to create, find a URL that works. So we went to a different language and in Italian, Intero means complete or whole. And our original tagline was the intersection of sales and marketing. And that's really changed. It's now more, you know, LinkedIn, it's business, not social, but it really is this idea of something being. Yeah, it certainly does. Thank you for explaining that. Now, what would you say is the typical client that you work with at Intero Advisory? We work with a lot of individuals and a lot of individuals who are either on the sales side and looking to enhance their personal brand and find more prospects or are in career transition. On the company side, which is really the, the bulk of our suite of clients, it is a company who is looking to grow, who's open-minded, who is trying to figure out new ways of engaging with prospects and clients 
and talent. So we typically work with a company who has at least 10 or more salespeople. They may or may not have an in-house recruiter. The CEO does tend to be involved. So it's typically small to mid-sized companies. We have some very large companies where we're helping particular business units become better you know, users and thoughtful thought leaders as it relates to their business through LinkedIn. Now, for both companies and individuals, what's the advantage of using LinkedIn versus another social media platform, Instagram, Facebook, in order to uh, drive leads and and to grow the brand? 99.9% of our business, Matt, is with B2B companies. That's my background. So LinkedIn is the natural channel for that B2B company. And I work with a lot of CEOs throughout the country. And very few of them, number one, like social media. Secondly, on Facebook or Instagram. And even if they come to LinkedIn kind of begrudgingly, they do pay attention to it because they understand it's a professional network. Some of that craziness that's happening on other channels is not really on LinkedIn, that there's a lot of opportunity there. So we always stayed just with LinkedIn because we were focused entirely on B2B companies. We've worked with some B2C. The approach is a little bit different, but they have recognized that even though they're B2C, they too have B2B relationships, whether that's with vendors or referral sources or channel partners, and still need to pay attention to this platform. So you've got a company or a couple individuals that come to you. They say, Colleen, I need help with my LinkedIn. What's the biggest problem that you typically see when they first come to you? They don't look good on LinkedIn. They have not paid attention to their profiles. Their profiles are what I would call anemic. There's very little on them. They're very resume oriented. They don't tell a story. They're not written for their particular audience. So we always start with making sure that their profile looks good first. And that usually takes some updating and even rethinking, you know, like what are your objectives for using LinkedIn? Who do you really want to talk with? Who's the network that you want to engage with, and then building their profile around that. For a CEO, it's often about turning that profile not into a bio, but into a profile that speaks about culture and hiring talent, because the number one thing that's the hardest right now is to find really good talent. Everybody's searching for you know the great people to hire. So let's turn your profile into a platform where you can begin to talk about culture and the importance of people in your organization. Yeah, that's certainly a key shift that I've seen happen in the last maybe year or so is is before I know I had my profile set up like that. I know a lot of other people did. They had it set up like a resume, even if they're a CEO of a company and they weren't looking for a job ever in their life again. It was impressive seeing that shift where now people are really starting to understand that the power of using the profile to be a source of being professional content, of being able to network, of being able to market your brand and market to the buyers. It's an important shift and I'm glad that you're working in this space. There's certainly a lot more people that need help with it. We have a client who, when they called us, they said, we need you to work on profiles for many of our key executives. It's a very, it's an international company, very large in a very conservative conservative industry. And they said, our number one objective is please just make our people sound human. A lot of times they, they just look like walking resumes. So to be able to add that human aspect of it is huge. And that's what attracts buyers, right? Absolutely. So what would you say fascinates you the most about brand building in this new era of more direct access between the buyers and the sellers? I think it's the ability for every person to, in a more meaningful way, impact their own personal brand, their expertise, and showcase that in a way that's professional and relevant. Even in the biggest companies that we work with, where they have a full-on marketing department creating a ton of content that is designed to bring inbound leads into the organization, the salespersons, those salespeople still need to generate their own leads to some extent. And I think platforms like LinkedIn give salespeople more autonomy over 
building their brand, showcasing their expertise and talent and their network and staying in touch with people in a more personal way because that salesperson might be in one company today, might be in another company 10 years from now and can still be staying in touch with a network that can be working with them. Most of my listener base are sales leaders, sales managers, sales reps, some business owners. If you give just throughout a very general estimation, how many salespeople are really taking advantage of LinkedIn to the fullest at this point? Oh, I would say very few. And I think in a really superficial way, many of them are still trying to do a lot of sourcing and searching, just using the basic version of LinkedIn.com, where we say in LinkedIn.com, you're going to manage your profile and your network. You can do some very high level sourcing and reaching out, but you can't be very super intentional because you just LinkedIn doesn't give you the um, access to be able to do that. Most of the clients that we work with who are on the sales side, they're all working in Sales Navigator, which is a different product owned by LinkedIn, but it's a different view into LinkedIn, gives people far more access, and it allows you to save people as leads, companies as accounts, tag those people so you start to organize your network and you create a workflow. And very often, if a company that we're working with, they have two or more people as a part of that sales team using Sales Navigator, and they're using a CRM, we help them integrate Sales Navigator with their CRM. So that information that happens in LinkedIn, Sales Navigator actually goes back to their CRM. There are very few people, I think, doing that really well. Just don't realize that how to do that or that, wow, I can get beyond that, but you, you have to pay for that access. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a skill that has to be learned and maybe taught to you by someone else like Intero, for example. Now, that is actually a perfect segue into the main topic of this episode, which again is how to leverage LinkedIn to grow your brand and your business. So we've talked why, we've already talked about why LinkedIn is the platform beyond it's the main source for professional networking. What are all of the activities that can be done on LinkedIn and Sales Navigator that sales leaders should be considering? Right. And before I answer that question, I want to be really clear because I always say this to everybody that we're working with. We are never selling directly through LinkedIn. We are creating context for ourselves. We are creating context for our companies. We're looking for points of entry and ways to start conversations. The end goal is always to close business. However, when I talk to CEOs, the number one thing, and this is CEOs across the country, the number one thing they say is, oh, if I connect with a salesperson, the next message is, can we get together? Can I talk to you about X? They start way too early. So very often, I'm trying to slow salespeople down. It's not to slow the sales cycle down. It is to give the salesperson actually a better opportunity to get in front of the right person. So we are very specific in messaging. We like to make sure that the messaging is professionally conversational, that you start to build your network and you add value before you make an ask. Sometimes we don't, we have two or three messages that go out either through LinkedIn.com or Sales Navigator before we even mention the company. And we might say, hey, here's a recent blog post that we just published that might be of help as you think through this, right? So these pain points that salespeople know their clients have, do you have some content that you can wrap around that, share with somebody else, which hopefully adds value, makes you look interesting, smart, and not salesy. So I think one of the biggest activities that has to occur on LinkedIn to look professional and open doors is not to look salesy. I think that's an incredible point there. And, and it's changing your mindset. I think a lot of times salespeople, since they don't have a specific process in place, whether it's for prospecting in general or the work on LinkedIn, they often get very desperate and hope that the actions that they do today can lead to immediate results tomorrow, where in a lot of times it's actually the actions you do today might lead to something down the road three or six months down the line. But if you do it consistently, that's where you'll start to see the results. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. The consistency is absolutely critical. So we tell our clients, please put LinkedIn business development on your calendar and make sure you honor that appointment just like you would a face-to-face -face meeting. Go in, you can do, we have a team of people that 
are in Sales Navigator all day on behalf of our clients. And I would say, on average, somebody who's responsible for generating leads should probably be spending anywhere between 60 and 120 minutes a day just in LinkedIn. So what they're going to do is they're going to check their homepage to see what people in their network are talking about. They might share a piece of content. They might interact with a piece of content from somebody who's a center of influence or a client or a prospect. They're going to be downloading on a quarterly basis their network to see how they can nurture their first level network. We have a whole exercise around that. They're going to be running their searches and starting to continually expand their network with the right kind of people. And they're going to do these three or four different activities on a regular basis. And they're going to try to stay engaged with first level. And if they're in just in LinkedIn.com, focus on turning second level connections into first level. If they're in Sales Navigator, they can get beyond second level and really reach out to a lot of third level. A lot of times we have salespeople who are new to an industry so they've joined a company, but they don't have a network based on that new industry that they're in. And one of the first actions is they have to jumpstart their network because LinkedIn's algorithm is saying, oh, you used to be you know, in healthcare and that's what your network, the relevancy of your network is based around healthcare. Now you're in IT. I don't know that though, because I'm LinkedIn and your network's heavily healthcare focused. Now you, we need to start to inform LinkedIn's algorithm, I'm now in the IT industry, so that it suggests more of those people. So you've got to rejigger, that's a technical word, right? More of those types of people so that LinkedIn starts to feed you the suggestion that you should connect with more of those new industry folks. I definitely want to jump more into that topic of kind of jumpstarting the LinkedIn algorithm to get connected to the right people. But before we do, let's take a step back. Let's say that one of your customers comes to you and there's maybe, I would say is probably the typical person on, on LinkedIn when they first start out. They come in, may or may not have a profile picture. They have their, their profile set up like a resume. What are the first steps that you do and kind of how do you take them through that process of getting them up to speed so that then they can complete those regular tasks that you mentioned earlier? So first we'll do an evaluation of their profile and we'll say, this is what we're seeing. Very often people don't even know how other people see them. Then we proceed with developing their profile. We'll interview them. We'll write it. We don't write anything in LinkedIn. Everything's written in a Word document and then approved and you know edited by a copy editor. So there's some typos, all that good stuff. When we help them update that profile, we then go through their settings and privacy. And we make sure we understand how they want to experience LinkedIn and make sure that their settings and privacy are set appropriately. So sometimes for a CEO, I might put them a little bit under the radar because they don't want to be found by so many people. From there, we'll download their network and we walk them through an exercise to understand, you know, people call us all the time, they're like, any more prospects? I'm like, great, let's download your network first and let's see who you're connected to. How do you know these people? What's your relationship to them? Where are their opportunities? The biggest aha moments is, wow, I'm actually not connected to my customers and clients. That's a good point there. I think a lot of people connect with their high school buddies, they connect with family members or their coworkers, but they're really not doing a good job connecting out to their network. So I think that's a, a really good point there. When you get back to the settings, I would assume that anyone who's looking to build the brand for the purpose of eventually increasing sales, is that why you really want your, your profile to be as public as possible? You do. You want to be transparent. However, you know, you might think about closing your network down. So for example, you can have an open network so that if you and I are connected, then I have an open network. You can see everybody in my network. If you have a closed network and you and I are connected, I can only see the people we share in common. So I think that the settings and privacy are a key piece to review because it's where you start to build your strategy for LinkedIn. And Sometimes it behooves a salesperson to have an open network because you want to look like you're a good connector as well. There are some salespeople that we work with, for example, somebody who might be a distributor. Well, they might be connected to their suppliers and their clients. Sometimes those suppliers could go direct. 
So maybe it makes sense to close the network down or say no suppliers in my network. So thinking about how you, number one, build your network, who's in there, and then how it's visible is important to think about. For CEOs, we typically tell them to close their network. Okay. And point then about the step number four of downloading your network and really understand who is currently in your network. Let's say you have people that aren't your ideal customers. Is it still valuable to stay connected to them or does it make sense to kind of dwindle down the number of non-important or non-customer contacts that you have in your network? I always say remove the ones that are really random, just absolutely random. There are people in everyone's network that people will say, I never connected with them. I don't even know who they are. And over the years, we've all just inadvertently accepted connection requests with somebody who's super random. I don't always suggest calling it to the point where it's pruned so tightly because very often it's not the person you're connected to that you might do business with, but they might be connected to somebody. And that's still valuable. Right? There are a number of people in my network who I'll probably never work with. However, I know that they know people I could. So it still expands my network because, once again, LinkedIn looks at the relevancy of your network. However, I do have a client who had been in the healthcare industry. He had been a healthcare recruiter and then moved to the IT industry. And I couldn't understand why he wasn't using LinkedIn when I knew he was a recruiter and had been using it. He said, my network is so diluted, it has no purpose for what I'm doing now. And he talked about it, and he then spent about two weeks, and he removed over 400 people. And we kick-started his network so that it would be more IT-focused, and the people he was interested in working with, and therefore, it made sense to him again, and he started getting leads from his new network. But he had to change it, so he really needed to clean it out way more than maybe a lot of other people might. Yeah, so that's a good point. That what you're suggesting is that it really has to be a balance between quality and quantity. Is, is that correct? Correct. And, you know, I'm not about connecting with thousands and thousands of people because I actually want a network that's more highly engaged. I probably have on the smaller side of a network based on what I do for a living, and I'm okay with that. Recruiters, Many recruiters will have 10, 20, 30,000 people in their network. It's a database for them. 99% of the time, those networks from those recruiters will be closed networks because they certainly don't want their clients, if they're connected to them, to see potential candidates, right? It would lessen their value if their clients could see the potential candidates that they're connected to. Yeah, those are all great points. And, and really just I'm um, talking to you even just as far as we got on this conversation, I'm, I'm really starting to understand that the LinkedIn experience really depends on your job, your industry. And the, another good point that you mentioned was talking about, yes, you don't want to expand your network too much. Again, obviously, depending on what industry and job title you're in, but the, the value of those second connections are really key, right? I've seen studies of, for example, if you're looking for a job, it's usually not your first degree network that you get those jobs from, but rather the second degree, just because of the very reason of you probably share a lot of the same network with your first degree contacts. That's so true. There's actually a study done that was done in the 60s. It's all around warm connections. And I have a client who is is president of the North American division of their company who was really fixated and fascinated with this whole concept of warm, warm and loose connections. And it's exactly what you just talked about. Those second level connections are absolutely so important. And they're easy to turn in eventually to first level. But it's just impressive. I mean, whenever you reach to someone that is in that second degree network, that opens up a whole new kind of branch or, or tree of of networking opportunities. So that is definitely, I think, something that people do need to heavily consider. Now, we've mentioned steps one through four. The number four was downloading their network. What happens after you download the network and kind of qualify their network? Right, then we start to see what are the action items as a result of that. Who can we nurture? Who are the centers of influence? I am huge on identifying centers of influence. And to me, a center of influence is somebody who knows, likes, and trusts you. You know, like, and trust them. They know how to use LinkedIn and they have a good network on LinkedIn. And you do some very intentional networking with those people. And very often those can be customers, referral sources, 
Sometimes it could be the person next door if they have a really good network and depending on what you do. And then identifying these subsets within your overall LinkedIn network is really important. And then having action items. How am I going to stay in touch with them? How am I going to talk to them? How can I help them? Because you've got, it's a two-way street. You've got to be a good social citizen here. And then once there's a plan in place for how you're nurturing your first level network, then let's start doing some sourcing to find the second and third level folks that should become first level, that would fit your ideal client persona, you're using that term. Then after that, it's really starting to raise your visibility on LinkedIn by using content, sharing content, posting content, writing original content, but creating engagement so that you show up more often in people's home feeds. So when we talk about trying to get people from a second degree to connection to first degree connection, and also the step before nurturing, what are some of the strategies or processes that you have your clients put in place? First of all, we have them think about messaging. How do you, what's your value proposition, which by the way, should also be woven into your about section in your LinkedIn profile. What is that value proposition? What separates you? What makes you valuable to a current customer? And then let's create two or three messaging scripts that are scripts in guidance only, and you start to pay attention. We don't use any automated tools when we do outreach. We only use one automated tool, and I can talk about what that is in a little bit, but we are all about hand-selecting truly the ideal person that we think will actually is using LinkedIn and we're looking for indicators on people's profiles so that if we reach out to them, they'll hopefully respond. They'll connect with us. They'll answer a question. They'll begin to start, let us start a conversation with them. So it goes back to making sure a process is in place before any outreach is begun. So let's talk about that last step that you mentioned, visibility and content creation. For example, for around content, there's so many questions that I could ask. For example, how often should people be posting or what type of content should people be posting? Does the hour of the day matter? I mean, what are some of the key pieces of advice when it comes to content creation? Right. These are great questions and we're asked many of these questions all the time. In terms of time of the day, LinkedIn and other third-party platforms where there's a lot of outreach being scheduled through those platforms like Buffer and Hootsuite, they're going to say Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, between Eastern time, between 10 and 2, and then again at dinner time and maybe early in the morning. I actually will say I don't pay attention to those times. Number one, if everybody's posting then, it's going to be noisier. So maybe I don't want to post when everybody else is posting. I find that if I post something on a Saturday morning, I might get more views on that post than something that I post on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. So I think that people are on LinkedIn all the time, and certainly because it's global, different time zones. So I try to advise our clients, worry less about the time, worry more about the value of the content. We don't want to be creating more noise. There's a lot, you know, my homepage on LinkedIn is pretty frenetic. I think most people's have that same experience. So make sure your content's good. Make sure you're introducing the content so that you get people to stop and pay attention. That's the goal. And call people out and give people out, give people shout outs about something that they've done or congratulations. And so it's not just about focused on you the person on you or on that salesperson or that company or that product or that service, because it becomes like a little bit like a monologue. What are some of the other elements of good content post? I think that it's something that you can actually add perspective on that people will know, oh yeah, that I see why they're posting that because they're really passionate about that topic, that it's actually being posted to serve the network that that person has, as opposed to just being, hey, look at me, because that gets boring. It gets boring, just like the profile that's really super resume oriented gets boring. Once again, it's just not intriguing enough. And I love good content. I will say that wherever you can add a post with a picture of people, that's going to get way more views. So you go to a good networking event, you're at a trade show, you're at a conference, take a picture with some people, add some context around that, 
post that because once again, people love to see other people. Talk about the culture at your company, right? Maybe you do a, a picnic or a fundraiser or some kind of you know drive. Then show people doing that. People love that kind of content seems like, if I counted correctly, eight-step process, and you walk your clients through this process, what do you think is typically the easiest step for your clients to do, and what's the hardest step for them to do? I'll start with the hardest, the consistency, and staying with it. I encourage people that this is a marathon. This is a long-term part of your work flow, not a short-term play. The easiest is... um, probably to make a call to us and say, oh my gosh, how can you help me? And then get the answers. The hardest part is the execution always. People have great intentions, but they do it a little bit, then they stop. And then they start again and then they stop. And guess what? Their network can see that kind of up and down where you can actually be on LinkedIn far less if you're there consistently because It gives the perception you're there all the time, even when you're not. And do you have any piece of advice for how people can stay consistent with their work on LinkedIn? Well, I think they probably need an accountability partner or somebody that they're working with, or it needs to be woven in as a KPI um, with their sales leadership. I think many companies are moving in that direction. I think putting it on your calendar is really helpful. Having the apps, making it easy, trying not to master all of LinkedIn all at once, but do one thing at a time, get really comfortable with that piece. So, you know, in that you just identified eight steps, you know, get really comfortable. Your profile looks good. Now you're more confident. It's like getting a makeover. You know, you look more confident. You're going to be more likely to actually take action and be active on LinkedIn. So each piece as we go through the process is, is kind of a building block. And I think it becomes easier but people have to be disciplined. It's just like logging into somebody's CRM, right? We got to be disciplined about that, disciplined about showing up, about sending email follow-up, all those things that a salesperson needs to do to drive revenue. Are you a believer in creating content in bulk ahead of time and then distributing it either manually or using a system like Hootsuite? uh, Or are you more of a believer of sitting down each morning and, and creating the content right there in the moment? Yeah, that's such a great question. We have been blogging for, I think, probably over five years now. So we have a blog post that goes out on Tuesday. We have a Intero Digest that goes out on Saturday. I also have just launched a podcast and hopefully we're good with this appearing on our podcast too. I would love that. And so we're producing a lot of content sort of on, on an ongoing basis. So I know that that those pieces of content will always be going out on a weekly basis. And then I, we have somebody on our team that does in some Instagram and that posts to our LinkedIn company page. And then I'm responsible for posting as I go what appears on my LinkedIn profile. So it's kind of a hybrid. We were using a platform called Sprout Social for a number of years. And interestingly, I just got an email from them this morning or yesterday that LinkedIn is no longer going to allow them to feed content to a personal profile. So LinkedIn's making some changes where I think it may be more difficult to do the scheduling ahead of time. I haven't seen anything on Hootsuite or Buffer yet, but I I need to do a little research on that. So I do have clients that sit down with Buffer and Hootsuite on a weekly basis, schedule all their content for the week, go about their week because they do a lot of traveling. If you have salespeople who are traveling a lot, scheduling the content will make a whole lot of sense. Two questions came up from your response there. The first one is, how often is LinkedIn changing its algorithms and the permissions of what users are able to do? I wish I knew. Um, LinkedIn is, as all these platforms are, they're continually changing their algorithms for lots of reasons and changing their platform around and emphasizing certain areas over other areas. So it's, it's very difficult. I mean, I can't even answer that question. It's very difficult to see, like you can see trends where they're going and what they're doing. Like they're really working on rolling out live video and live streaming through LinkedIn. That's, you know, the next area. I think that LinkedIn will be unveiling in mass in a while. But in terms of the content, I think once again, it goes back to 
post good relevant content and do it frequently use some hashtags in there mention some other people linkedin will reward you for those things they'll reward you for being consistent and active on the platform that's great and i think that's a good answer there that pretty much these all social media platforms that are constantly changing so it's always important that you stay on top of it or have someone like yourself to be able to kind of guide you through the process now let's say that we do everything that you just suggested gave a lot of great tips there how quickly or what's the time frame where you can start seeing results from a consistent linkedin strategy so we have some clients who we might do some outreach for them, like their profile is up to date, we've looked at their network, we've done the sourcing for them, and they're getting responses within the first week. We have others where we have to go back in, we have to really look at that messaging, and it might be two or three months before they start to see consistency. So I want to work off of the law of attraction. I want somebody to come to my profile and say, oh, she looks reasonably intelligent. She looks good on LinkedIn. She looks pretty credible. I'm interested in learning more about what she does. And I think that's how salespeople have to really position themselves. Once again, the salesperson who has, you know, I've made quota for six quarters in a row, not so much because I, as a prospect, I might feel like I'm going to get sold. So we want to build that, once again, it goes back to that profile and make sure that we're reflecting and kind of creating a magnet, right? If we look at marketing terms, a lead magnet, your profile should be a lead magnet to get people to say, yes, I'm interested in being connected to you and talking to you. And very often that's harder for salespeople to do because they might be new at what they're doing. So they have to work harder at being even more gracious and helpful and endearing and not salesy. Now, without naming any names, is it possible that you could kind of give us a quick overview of kind of one of the biggest success stories you've seen with one of your clients? We have a client that's an international client that has a field team, a field sales team, probably close to a thousand people who are doing lead generation. We've probably worked with a little over a hundred of them at this point. And last year we sourced close to 60,000 LinkedIn profiles for them and helped them generate over $1.2 million worth of business, of brand new business. I would say that's probably our best success story. We have one client in a five-month period of time through just leveraging centers of influence. He was able to close $391,000 worth of new business. And one of those clients the following year did just shy of a million dollars. Wow. So you certainly have a lot to be very proud of. And, and that definitely is a testament to the expertise that you bring to the field of, of LinkedIn consultancy. So we've mentioned very briefly some of the technologies you mentioned. I forget what it was called. Sprout Social. We've mentioned Buffer. We've mentioned Hootsuite. If you can just list out some of those technologies that you can use in coordination with LinkedIn to really help build your brand, whether that's content creation, and then all the way through to fueling your sales pipeline, integrating with CRMs, what are some of the main tools that you and your clients have used? Right. One of the best tools, and I recommend it to everybody, is Grammarly. And Grammarly, if you use the Chrome extension, and I have the professional version, across all your platforms and all the channels, it will find any mistakes you make and like any of the crazy mistakes, right, that you make as you're typing really quickly. We see lots of messages going through LinkedIn, and I'm like, oh my gosh, did that person actually say that? Oh my gosh, there's three typos in those two sentences. You know, we're trying to attract people and get them to connect with us and talk with us, and we can't have typos. So Grammarly is super important to me. The next tool that we suggest salespeople use and really think about is a calendar scheduling tool, whether that's Calendly, Time Trade, you know, there's so many of them now. I've used many of them. I love Calendly. It's got a really clean interface. And because once again, if you're trying to reach out and prospect to people who are busy, if they're actually interested in talking to you, make it easy for them to schedule a 20 minute or 30 minute conversation with you. The younger that buyer is, the more they expect that to be easy. And you will, and every salesperson will look far more relevant if they're using a calendar scheduling tool. And it probably saves me four to five hours a week on scheduling. 
HubSpot, great CRM. We use HubSpot, their free CRM, so that's a great tool. One of my favorite parts of Sales Navigator team version is something called Point Drive, where I can send people resources or proposals and I can see that they've opened it and they've passed it along. So, And HubSpot has a feature where you can do that kind of tracking and seeing if people opened your emails. And all of that's really helpful because that can prompt your next email or your next correspondence for the next step in that sales cycle. Now, would you say that HubSpot is far and away the best CRM for connecting to LinkedIn? Are there any other ones that do a good job of connecting LinkedIn to their CRM? Right. So I I like HubSpot and I think that they've done a good job with their integration. As everybody probably knows, LinkedIn is owned by Microsoft. Microsoft Dynamic is Microsoft's CRM and that I'm not a big Microsoft user at all, but I do have a license and I like that very much as well. I think it integrates really nicely and certainly Sales Navigator and Microsoft CRM are definitely going to merge as most Microsoft products will be merging with LinkedIn further down the road. Pipedrive also, I'm not as familiar with Pipedrive, but Pipedrive, Zoho, and obviously Salesforce all also integrate with Sales Navigator. There's something called a SNAP, S-N-A-P program. So you can Google SNAP LinkedIn, and it'll show you all of the partners where they have integrations, not only in CRM, but in other areas as well. Now, there's one other tool that you mentioned, and I'm not too familiar with it. I think it started with Duck. Duck Soup, yeah. (laughs) Tell me a little bit more about that. So very often people will call us and they'll say, hey, you know what? I want to download second and third level connections out of LinkedIn. Well, LinkedIn doesn't let you do that at all. And we do a lot of accumulating of information in LinkedIn. We use a Chrome extension called Duck Soup. It's D-U-X-S-O-U-P. And we only use it one way. It can scan profiles or it can visit profiles. You can do automation with it. We do not do that. We simply use it to create a download of people that we want to pull into a spreadsheet. So we want to move them out of LinkedIn into a spreadsheet. And for anything other than first level connections, you would need to use a Chrome extension like that. There's one other tool that you have not mentioned, but I think it probably has the most mentions on this podcast. It's something called Crystal Nose. Are you familiar with that? I am. What's your opinion on Crystal Nose? I used Crystal Nose probably three or four years ago, and I thought it was really fascinating in that I would be having a conversation like we're having now, and then I would be looking at my email from that person and it would be telling me, you know, they're a high D or they're this or they're persuasive, use these words. And I found myself very distracted by that in that I started to really change how I was talking to that person, which is not a bad thing. And then as I used it more and more, I kept seeing the same, it became to me very general. And I used it probably for about, I don't know, four to six months. And then I felt I was just getting too many generalizations. Yeah, it ended up being a little bit more of a buffer roadblock for your just genuine conversations with people than it was helpful. Right. I just, I was incredibly distracted by (laughs) trying to figure out how I should talk to that person and which made me feel like I was having a more kind of scanned conversation than just a regular, more authentic conversation, if that makes sense. Now, of all the tools that you've mentioned here, because you mentioned uh, quite a few here, what would you say is hands down the most important and most valuable tool? Calendly. It's kind of a toss up. Calendly, Grammarly, because I'm typing fast and I don't want mistakes. I think HubSpot too. I think there's so many tools and apps I use that I'm a little bit shiny object for. I love testing different apps and I just feel like we use, we probably use a lot of them and they all play a significant role in helping us do something. And in many cases, it's being more efficient. What would you say is the line between technology being helpful and helping you be more efficient and effective and where it becomes more harmful? Well, really what I've seen, especially in the last year is everybody wants to automate everything to save time. And I think that there are definitely many things that just need to be automated with either a lot of care or not automated at all. And one of those being outreach through LinkedIn or any other channel, you know, buying of followers, buying of likes, all of that. I think it really dilutes our good intentions if we had 
I'm assuming that we all had good intentions at some point. And I don't think that that helps people in the long run. So I think it's automating where it's appropriate without letting the automation take over all aspects of your business. I think that's a, that's a very, very good point there. And I think that's a point that a lot of people look over. I mean, but it's true. I mean, you have to put in the work to see results still. I agree. Automating is helpful in a lot of areas, but to be genuine, as you say, you got to do it manually as well. So this brings us into the last section of the, the Sales Stacker podcast, which is the Sales Stacker hot seat, uh, where I ask and the questions about use technology-wise on a daily basis. I think we've already gone through a lot of these, but are there any extra tools that you would mention that you use on a daily basis, anywhere related to your business or sales? Um, I use Google Docs every single day, all day. I'm a big fan of Google Docs because we write a lot of profiles. I love Canva, C-A-N-V-A.com. I actually use Canva at work and we create great, really great images through Canva. So we're probably in that a number of times a day. I just recently started playing with something called simplebooklet.com and it allows you to create interactive ebooks. And so I'm testing that this week and I'm loving that because I'm like, oh wow, it can really be a super effective way for us to put some multimedia together and present it in a really interesting way. I write a lot of strategy documents on LinkedIn and what I find is if I just do them in PDF, people file them away and they never look at them again. So I'm trying to think of ways to make them more interesting so that people will actually refer back to their strategy document and stay engaged with process. And we use Vimeo and I like that. And so I think those are, those are a couple, couple more. Good. And I'll make sure I include all those in the show notes. I hadn't heard of Simple Booklet, but it does seem something that could be uh, very useful. Now, are there any other tools that you have not implemented at this point, but you're intrigued by and, and thinking about using? Yeah, I am actually come to video very slowly and cautiously. And so I'm working on doing more video and actually looking at live streaming as a way to interact with a larger audience as it relates to LinkedIn coaching and training. So we are actually, we've been exploring, Matt, who's on my team, he and I have been exploring different options for live streaming this week. I'm actually logged into a membership site called CreateLive.com. I think that's what it's called. C-R-E-8Live.com. And they're live streaming professionals and learning how we can potentially use live streaming as a way to further our message and get more people using LinkedIn effectively. Yeah, I think that that live streaming is a topic where I think we can see a lot of growth and a lot of effectiveness. I think there's certainly some areas where we have to be cognizant of figuring out, for example, how many people are going to be around doing that live streaming? And what's your opinion on it? Do you let people know ahead of time that you can be live streaming? Or do you just hop on LinkedIn or on this platform and just start live streaming? Yeah, and, and I don't even know that I've, we've actually completely figured it all out yet. We have launched a membership site called Inside, and it's a online mastery program for LinkedIn. So it's all of our coaching and training all in one place. And it can walk a person who's you know the champion for the company through all of the modules, or it could be an individual who's like, okay, I got to figure this thing out. And so one of the ways that we're thinking of using the live stream is through the membership site so that we would have like online group coaching and we would use it that way. So we would go live, we would publicize it to the members of our platform and they would know that that's when we would be live streaming and then we could work together and maybe even do a little networking and business development. So we're still playing with how we are going to try it. And my guess is it'll be a little bit of live experimentation. Yeah, definitely test and check and, and we find the process. I'm very interested in hearing how that goes. So now to round off the sales stacker hot seat, what is your last piece of advice for sales leaders and business owners looking to grow the online presence? Go to Chrome, open an incognito window, and Google yourself and look at your LinkedIn profile and see how others see you. Because that's usually what people don't realize. And there's lots of people who can look at you who are not connected to you right through Google. And my question is how they see you. Does it best represent who you are as a professional? And would you be pleased if you're number one client saw that profile. 
Well, Colleen, thank you so much for just so much insight packed into this episode. I think everyone in the audience can definitely take away uh, certainly a number of these points and improve their personal brand and improve their business and online presence. Before we sign off here, can you tell us what's the best way that the audience can reach out to you or learn a little bit more about Intero or some of the other platforms and businesses that you have? Absolutely. So obviously LinkedIn.com. I'm Colleen McKenna, Intero Advisory. Um, my, our website is Intero-advisory.com. Our membership site inside.interoadvisory.com can also be found right through our main website. So that's probably the easiest. Those are the easiest places to find me. Feel free to send me a connection request. Do love to connect with sales professionals who are passionate about their professional development and growing their business. So we'd love to connect there. And we have lots of content. So you can follow us on our company page and subscribe to our newsletter and check out our membership site. Awesome, Colleen. Thank you so much for a great episode. Thank you. It was great to be with you. Some of the takeaways from today's podcast, um, I found really interesting that Matthew talked a lot about you know HubSpot and we talked about Duck Soup. We talked about tools and not everybody's ready for the tools that integrate with LinkedIn. But if you are, this is one of the key takeaways from the episode in our conversation. Thinking about how to integrate LinkedIn with some CRMs, HubSpot, Zoho, Pipedrive, Salesforce, certainly um, Microsoft Dynamics can really put a lot of strength behind each of the platforms, LinkedIn and the CRM platform. And we talked about using tools like Calendly and DuckSoup and how they also help you become more efficient using LinkedIn and even email and finding those sales leads that you need every day. So thanks for joining. I'm glad you spend some time with us today and look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. By the way, don't forget to check out insideinside.interoadvisory.com. Thanks. Look forward to seeing you on the inside.